you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk Podcast. This show is about commercial art, making a good living and making great art. That is a tricky tightrope to walk, but we're trying to do it. Thanks to our syndicate, Illustration Age. You can find this show on illustrationage.com slash creative pep talk. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. You can find my work on Instagram at Andy J. Pizza. Let's jump in. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new Fluid Engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it, got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site. Anyway, go check it out, anyjpizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. are satisfied with their creative careers. And really, at this day and age, with their career in any sphere, are the people who see their career as a giant puzzle, like a giant problem to be solved. Not something that is just a one-size-fits-all, just slot in anywhere, you know, fit the job description and you're ready to roll. The people that I know that have grown into careers that are really, really satisfying to them are people that have approached it like the ultimate creative problem. Here's why I think that is. Because I think in our minds, this whole finding the right job, finding the right career, we think it, I think we've been taught We've been given this answer that says, finding a career is kind of like, you know, you're a square peg and yeah, there's a lot of round holes, but you got to find 
that square hole that you can just slot into and when you finally do, it'll all be sweet. But I don't think that you're actually a square peg and I don't think there are round holes. I think you're like a bizarre trapezoid half sphere rhombus and all of the holes are these tiny uh, little circular holes. <laughs> I feel like you are completely and utterly unique. There is no perfect hole for you to slot into. There's no place where you're going to just fit perfectly. And if you're going to find a place that fits, that really fits, I think you're gonna have to carve it out yourself. You're gonna have to do the hard work of finding the exact way that that you can build a career around your particular unique value in DNA. And I think that the reason we don't do this, the reason we don't approach our creative careers this way is because oh, there's a ton of reasons. I think the first reason is any creative problem, big or small, uh, is pretty scary. And actually, I have noticed this over and over with myself and then with the people I work with and my friends that when there's an opportunity for creativity, real creativity to happen, we shut it down super quick. Creativity, I'm convinced, is actually a really uncomfortable uh, endeavor, at least on the onset, before you get started, before you open up that box. I think your brain, yourself, your ego, the front part of your brain, the pre prefrontal cortex is like, no, 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 no. Do not go into that unknown zone. Stay up here where you've got all the answers. Uh, I've noticed this just in, in brainstorming. If, if we start suggesting ideas that don't have clear outcomes, you know, when we start setting parameters and start adding components that maybe don't initially fit together, it's uncomfortable. You feel a little bit dumb because you're saying, here's an idea. It's not the right idea, but it is something. And you throw that in the pot. And even that, that little invitation to get creative can start making you feel uncomfortable. I remember when I was in college, man, first of all, I just want to say sorry to any of my teachers <laughs> when I was in college. I was unsufferable. I'm sure I wasn't the only one, but my goodness, I feel like looking back, I thought I had all the answers and uh, I was just, I could be a real jerk, I think, in college in some ways. Uh, I was excited and I was passionate and that was fine, but um, yeah, anyway, that there's my apology to any teachers that may be listening, but... Uh, in college, this, this happened to me over and over and it drove my teachers crazy. They would give me an assignment, they'd give me this creative problem, and I would instantly know what I was going to do. I instantly decided exactly what the project was going to be. And so in the research and development and thumbnails, all of that stuff was for nothing. I wasn't learning anything. I wasn't actually being creative because I'd let that insecurity, that, that feeling that I needed to know all of the answers before I even started, I let that control the process. And if you do that, you're never going to do real creativity because real creativity happens when you admit 
that you don't have all the answers because you're trying to find something surprising, something new, something novel. And, uh, you know, I would just drive my teachers crazy. And so over the years, I've learned to recognize a creative problem when it shows up and avoid and, or, or uh, disobey my ego that says, whoa, 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 you're going into a place where you don't know the answers, turn around and say, no, that's exactly where I want to go. And so if creativity is scary for a lot of people, uh, just generally, that if, if regular creative problems are like a 65 to 100 piece puzzle, uh, your career is like a 5,000 piece puzzle. And that is an extremely overwhelming concept. That is a puzzle box that you don't want to open at the wrong time. Uh, I'm not, I've never really watched The New Girl, but my wife watches it. And uh, that, that show with Zoe Deschanel, and she always talks about this line where uh, I think his name's Winston, is like, guys, I think it's time. I'm gonna start a puzzle. Because if, you, if, you've, if you're a puzzler, I'm not really a puzzler. My wife is a pretty serious puzzler. My father-in-law is a puzzler. Uh, if you are a puzzler, you know you don't want to open that puzzle at the wrong time. You got to have a significant block of time or you got to have a pretty sweet puzzle board that you can slot under the couch, but you don't want to open a giant puzzle at the wrong time in the wrong situation. And I think your creative career as a creative puzzle, as a creative problem. It's like a 5,000 piece puzzle. It's a giant endeavor and I think it's so scary to think of it like that, to think of it like, I don't have the answers. What if I try something new? What if I try to combine elements in an unconventional way? That prospect is incredibly overwhelming. But I'm here to tell you that it is so worth it to approach it like this. The people that I know that are the most satisfied in their career are the people who have opened up that 5,000 piece creative career puzzle. And the people that I know that are the least satisfied with their creative career are the ones who, who, who try to pretend to be satisfied by just staring at that little picture on the outside of the box, that little version of what their creative career could be. And so on this episode, here's what I want to do. I want to encourage you, open up that puzzle, think outside the box, and let's see that big picture. Let's see what your creative career could really be in all its glory if you would approach it as your biggest creative project ever. Okay, so the first thing you've got to do, every puzzler knows this, you've got to find the corners, right? You've got to find the corners and the outside edge. And that <laughs> is finding the parameters, starting with the end in mind. So Stephen Covey, who is famous in the business world 
Uh, he wrote the book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. One of the terms that you might have heard from that book is start with the end in mind. That's what people do who are really successful. The people that are highly effective, they start with the end in mind. They visualize and they have a vision for what the end looks like and then they reverse engineer it. And it's when you have that picture, that clear picture that your subconscious, your full brain can go to work on the same task. And when you've got that kind of energy headed towards solving a problem, that's when things start to really unlock. And it gives you just a roadmap. It gives you those boundaries to help you figure out how these pieces are gonna slot together. And so the first thing you gotta do is set the parameters. This is defining the problem. What do you want your creative career to look like? Um, for me, a lot of that starts with what do I want my work day to look like on a regular basis from week to week? You know, a few years ago, I thought I want to be making illustration nine to five as much as possible, like creating illustration work every hour of my day to to the max other than like admin and stuff like that i just wanted to be hammering image making that was probably i really think i mean i probably thought that from the beginning of my career and then around 2013 into 2013 beginning of 2014 i was i i got super dedicated to seeing that happen and I thought the best way to do that, the best way to ensure that I can do that and pay all my bills and keep all that going is to focus on generating advertising illustration jobs. And so I spent 2014 working super hard on that. Uh, I was, you know, lucky enough to have that pay off in 20, 2015. And I spent 2015 working like a freaking madman uh, <laughs> with madman. I almost made a joke. I almost had it. I almost said I worked like a madman on all that advertising, right? Terrible joke. Uh, but on this advertising illustration and I spent nights and weekends uh, and so much time in 2015 working on that work. And I realized I got new new data and I had to iterate what I wanted that end to look like. What do I want my career to look like? And I decided that I wanted to spend about 50% of my time, so about four hours of my day, working on visual illustration and the other hours doing all kinds of things. And so I doubled down on the podcast because that was a different energy that I like to spend. I wanted to find things that I could get paid to do that had nothing to do with sitting at a desk of any kind and not looking at a screen. And so that was one of the reasons I wanted to start my MFBA class was so I could get paid uh, the same amount of money that I get paid doing illustration to work one-on-one -on -one with people and to talk to them and work through their problems. Because I, you know, partially because I'm just super passionate about it, but also because I just wanted to spend time in that energy. I wanted to balance my staring at the computer with my talking to real people. Uh, and so that was one of the reasons I started changing. But those were the parameters that I set. Now, other parameters are like salary. How much money do you need to make? Uh, do you want to be able to travel? 
Do you want to be, do you want to go work at a job somewhere or do you want to work from home? You know, what are all of the things that you want in your career? What do you want it to look like on a week to week basis in the future? I'm not talking about next week. I'm saying set the parameters for the career that you'd like to have in the future. Okay, step two, sort out all the colors. Get all those puzzle pieces out and, you know, get the sky colors together, get the sky pieces together, get the land pieces together, get the houses together. Separate them all into the major components. And I'm just giving you good puzzle advice, but this also works in terms of your creative career. So. Oh man, <laughs> and you really shouldn't take my advice as a puzzler. I know some of these things, I have created puzzles in the past, but I, I'm not really an expert puzzler. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so the second thing you need to do is you need to identify what are some of the components that you're working with that could possibly slot together to get to this end that you painted in step one. And so here's what I mean by this. I have this thought that I really truly believe can be a game changer. I believe that one of the biggest purposes of your life, one of the biggest points, one of the most important things to think uh, about is this idea of what is my value? And I know I talk about that on the podcast a lot, but I I had a new way of thinking about this that might be helpful because I think this notion is so abstract uh, that it's almost hard to wrap your head around what that means. But I want you to think about your DNA, your experience, your skills, your talents, all of that stuff that comes together to make you who you are. And I want you to think about how, like what is the innate value like how can i find the the most valuable way to express all that is me like how can i tap into my dna and find what's rare and useful hidden in those things like in like even on that level, if you're thinking about it, maybe not literally as DNA, but if you think about your DNA as this code, as this secret sequence of things, that sequence, what is rare and unusual about that thing? What is useful about that code that's different in this world and finding its most valuable use is so important to making the career that you wanna have. Uh, on this planet, if you are a natural resource on this planet, what is the best, most valuable way to use you? I am obsessed with, like my worldview is nearly uh, summarized in this Picasso quote. He said that the meaning of life is to find your gift and the purpose of life is to give it away. I think so much of us, so many of us get obsessed with giving away our gift. 
right? Like we get to the second half of that quote and we're like, all right, ready to give it away, man. Let's give, 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 give. And like, what are you giving? I don't know, man, but I'm giving it out. We skip this section of finding the gift, finding the value. What is it that we've got that the world needs? And it's a scary prospect because I feel like a lot of us don't want to ask this because we're afraid that we don't have anything. And I want to encourage you to say, your DNA is a unique sequence. And just by that alone means that that sequence is incredibly rare. And value is determined by rare, rarity? I don't know. By, I don't think that's a word. But uh, by, by how rare something is and then how useful it is. That's where we get value. Uh, uh, the best combination of those two things. And so I want you to think about all of the things that you know about yourself. That includes your background, your location, your, are you handy? Do, are you loving? Do you love to draw? Like you, you like to public speak. You don't like to public speak. You like to hide under a rock and make tons and tons and tons and tons of drawings. Like what are all of the things and don't, in this part, it's incredibly important that you don't go to the same things that you always go to. We know if you listen to this podcast, you probably like to make creative work and you probably have a particular medium or a particular what or a particular industry that you find yourself in. Like you probably like to draw or you probably like to write songs or you probably like to make logos, whatever it is. Put that down as one of your components, but I want you to dig deeper than that. I just heard Tim Ferriss ask that question on his podcast. What would your friends and family say is your superpower? And this is incredibly important. Why do they call you up on the phone? What do they bring you over for? Is it because you can you know, fix all of their plumbing issues? Is it because you can build them a new guitar? Like what are the things that you can do that other people can't do? and list them out, even if you don't know how it matters to your creative career. In fact, that is a prerequisite. That goes back to this idea of really doing something creative. If you're gonna do something creative, you can't pretend to know the answers before you start. And so we're just getting all the components down on the table. We don't know which are going to matter. And if you approach your creative career like this, with real creativity, you're going to unlock new things that you've never dreamed about. Okay, so... Number one, you found, the, you found the corners, you found the edges, you set the parameters. You said, this is what I need my career to be before knowing how you're gonna get there. It's an uncomfortable thing to do, but it's incredibly important. Step two, you started to identify the colors. You separated all the pieces into colors. You identify the components that you're working with. What were your skills? What are your talents? What's your background? Even your location might make you rare. You're looking for anything that makes you unique and useful and you're just making a giant list. What is weird about you? What was weird about you when you were in high school? 
what did they always pick you to perform the the oral report they did for me right like i i actually in high school got a's on oral book reports of books that i never read and uh <laughs> so that's a weird thing. So what are the things that are unique about you? You listed them out, listed them out in step two. Step three, our final step, is just start putting those pieces together. Those components that you laid out, start trying to combine them. And, you know, I love this process so much and I found myself over and over, whether it's picking where we're going to go to eat for dinner or how we're going to do my daughter's birthday party. She's turning two this month, by the way. Uh, <laughs> we've been planning the birthday party and it, that's a creative problem. And I've engaged it with the same process. After I've noticed this process, I've started doing everything like this. I'm working on a workshop right now, which I'm going to bring you details for very soon. Uh, but me and my friend were working through that and I noticed us doing the same thing. And the quicker that you engage in the creative problem, the quicker you can turn that self mind, that ego mind off and say, look, we're going in there. It's an unknown zone. We don't know the answers and that's okay. We got to set that down and admit it. We got to admit we don't know how this is going to turn out. We're going to open up the puzzle box and look at this giant, dense, undone puzzle and sit in how uncomfortable that is. And so I, I, this process works for all kinds of things, but it's really effective for approaching your career. So the last thing you got to do is you got to start making combinations. You got to take all those components and what you're trying to do is find, you need to approach it like a chemist. You're trying to find which of these components, which com how can I combine, how can I combine my love for uh, rats? I don't know why. I have no idea why that came to mind, but my, I don't love rats, by the way, but maybe you do, and that's rare and weird. My love for rats, my love to draw pictures, and my love to build giant wood sculptures. And you put all of those three things together in a weird way. But what you're trying to do is act like a chemist, use all of these chemicals, all these components, and try to find the most explosive combination of all of these things. What is the way that you can get to that end in mind, that place you're trying to go, that career that you want, that career that gives you the flexibility and the freedom and the income that you want. How can you take these components and combine them in the most explosive manner? Let me give you some examples of the way that I've seen this play out. One person who I'm a massive fan of, uh, who's been on the podcast, Aaron Draplin. I'm sure that you're a big fan too. If you're not, you go. You need to go check him out and go watch all of his talks. Uh, he's a real character and a, a just brilliant creative. Uh, he's a designer and he's someone who has not taken the path of least resistance as a designer. Here's a person who has made a big part of his career uh, out of public speaking, being himself, he, you know, being this larger than life character on stage, that is something that has helped him differentiate himself and, ex and, and make his career explosive. Not only that, but his love for uh, going to these uh, secondhand uh, 
uh, estate sales and garage sales and, and going and looking for all this design ephemera and all these, uh, just all this stuff. One of the things that happened through that passion and that other unique thing about him is that he started to come across these little pocket notebooks that farmers would use and he started collecting all those and he used that rare knowledge, that rare experience and he turned it into a design business called Field Notes. And so whether it was taking that ability to do hilarious and intriguing and interesting public speaking, which is pretty rare on its own, combining that with his design skills and combining that with his love for secondhand design goods and ephemera to create field notes, this is a guy who's created a really unique custom fit career. He's a guy who, he's a designer that's almost permanently on tour. That's a new career. That's a new model. And it, cre and it only happened by approaching career with creativity, not just trying to slot into the job description. Another person that I've been thinking about recently a lot is Pete Holmes. He's the host of the You Made It Weird podcast. And here's a guy who's a stand-up comedian. Yes, he does stand-up. But a few years ago, even before podcasts were like a massive thing, he started a podcast called You Made It Weird, where not only was that, you know, kind of unique at that time, but he was good at conversation. He loved to go deep in conversation and do these long-form conversations, but also he liked to talk about a bunch of weird stuff like spirituality and your your uh, your childhood and uh, Joseph Campbell and all that good stuff. Like that's not normal. So it's a rare thing for a comedian to want to talk about that stuff, especially to talk about it publicly. He grew up evangelical, which is also super weird as a stand-up comedian. So many people want to run away from what makes them weird, what makes them rare. But it's what makes you rare that makes you valuable. And it's that unique perspective that set Pete Holmes apart. So he started building a career where part of his income comes from podcast, part of it comes from stand-up. And both of those things combined together unlocked networking opportunities and marketing opportunities that he would never have had. And so he's been able to leverage that into a new TV show. Another person that I think uh, really exemplifies this principle is Jimmy Fallon. So Jimmy Fallon, now, I think from the outside it's easy to think, oh, he finally found his calling in late night television as a host. Uh, I think it's no secret that he was a weird fit for Saturday Night Live in a lot of ways. He actually did some movies that kind of tanked, so he wasn't really an actor. Uh, <laughs> And I always did appreciate him on Saturday Night Live. I liked when he laughed through all the skits. That always made it more funny to me. Um, but I'm sure a lot of people hate that. Anyway, uh, here's a guy who, he didn't just find his perfect role and slot in. He didn't just find, he wasn't just square, a square peg and found that square hole finally in late night television. It's not that simple. Because not only was he approaching each step of the way with an iteration, trying something new, you know, going from Saturday Night Live to movies to late night TV. When he finally got to late night TV, he used everything that was rare and weird about him and, and he built that into the show. 
So I think two things that come to mind for me about why Jimmy Fallon has been so weird and why he took over late night was because he brought all of his experience from Saturday Night Live, including his ridiculous laughing through skits. So they started doing sketch comedy on his late night show before he got uh, The Tonight Show. And he started to do that Saturday Night Live stuff, but he also brought in that goofy laughing through all the skits thing. He brought his uh, pop culture weekend update, all that kind of jazz, all, all that knowledge. He also brought his super nice guy persona who just supports and celebrates everybody to the show. Uh, you know, Late Night and, uh, and The Tonight Show and, and all of that stuff had been uh, traditionally, in a lot of ways over the past 15, 20 years, a very cynical place, a very negative place. And whether that's a, you know, actually a bad thing or not, Jimmy Fallon was a completely new energy and that new energy was rare and it helped cut through and it provided something refreshing. And so that's why he went from late night and then eventually got The Tonight Show. Not because it was the perfect fit, because he made it the perfect fit. He approached it with creativity. So I'm encouraging you, find the parameters, find all the edges, See what components you got going on. Search for the things that are rare and useful about you. List them all out and then try to find the most explosive combinations and then try to build your career around those things. Try to push yourself into making work that shows that unique combination. So I know that if I encourage you to think of your creative career as a creative problem, that that can be kind of an overwhelming notion. Because I'm not really saying even to find these unique things about you, combine them in interesting ways, and then finding the job description that perfectly fits and find that container, that title, that label that perfectly fits who you are, I'm literally saying there is no place to slot in because you have never existed in this world. There's no job description that perfectly fits you. And even if you go get a job, I encourage you to figure out how to bring your uniqueness to it and make it your own. And so, I think every time I start approaching someone who hasn't done this yet, you know, so for the people that have, I feel like once you make this mental shift, it's really like waking up out of the matrix and realizing that this world of labels and career paths and everything being set out before you and fate, all of it just happening to you, when you realize you can happen to your life and to your career, it's like you get to see the code in the matrix and you start kicking those agents' booties with one arm behind your back. And those people, all of a sudden, when they find that creative potential in their career, there's no stopping them. They go from strength to strength. They go from iteration to iteration. Because it's not just one and done. It's not like you finally approach it with creativity and you figure it all out. What it is is it's a puzzle after a puzzle after a puzzle. And every time you do a puzzle, 
That muscle memory works in. You learn how to puzzle, man. You're a puzzler. Puzzles! And you start putting the, you just get faster and better and smarter and you learn more about yourself. You get new data and you iterate and you pivot. And once you get into that spiral, you're spiraling upward. And I think that so many of us, when we're set before any creative puzzle, any creative problem, uh, and especially one as big as that 5,000 piece creative career puzzle, we don't even want to open the box. Because if we open the box, we admit that maybe we want something more. We admit that maybe we don't have all of the answers and we don't have it all figured out. And if we're going to start this puzzle, it might be a long, hard process. And I think secretly, we wonder if we're damaged goods to, from the get-go. We wonder if this puzzle uh, of our lives is secondhand and it's missing like a third of the pieces. Like, <laughs> it's kind of hard to start a secondhand puzzle if you're not sure, if you're kind of suspicious that maybe I don't have what it takes, maybe I don't have all the components that I need. Well, today, I want to encourage you. Every time I go down this path, I'm blown away by how much things click. I'm blown away by when you get all those components out, how it's almost cosmic, how they fit together when you work hard enough. And you know what? Even if you go through this process and you're missing 10 or 15 pieces, you can always start again. You can always open up another puzzle. And so today I'm encouraging you, open up the puzzle, think outside of the box in terms of your creative career, and you will see that big, beautiful, creative career picture. Oh man, I friggin' put everything that I could into this episode. This concept is something that means something to me so deeply. It was such a massive paradigm shift and it changed everything that I do. I think about my career totally different and I feel like I'm so empowered when I get into a situation that I'm like, this, this part of my life or this part of my career, I really don't like how that's looking. I feel empowered to think about how I wanna change it look at what everything that I've got in front of me and make the most explosive combination and really have an ability to change what happens and where my career goes. And once you start doing that, it's so addictive and empowering and I just, man, I just really encourage you to, uh, <laughs> to take it seriously. All right, thanks for giving me your time. Guys, you guys spending time listening to this show I'm, this is, there's no, I could not be more genuine and sincere when I say, I can't believe that you do that. Uh, you know, I love spending, I spent so much time like putting this puzzle of an episode together. Hi-oh. Uh, <laughs> and, and I just did it out of the joy and love of knowing that you're all going to listen to it. And hopefully some of you are going to get something from it. And that just, 
uh, it just gives me so much joy. So thank you so much for listening. Thanks for sharing the podcast. Thanks for the iTunes reviews. Thanks for the emails. Thanks for the Patreon backers. Uh, you guys are amazing. Like uh, you guys, oh, I can't believe that you do that, and I love it. Thank you so much for those of you that back the show on Patreon. All right, dudes. Thanks to Illustration Age. You can find this show at illustrationage.com slash creative pep talk. Thanks to Yoni Wolf and the band Why for the theme music at the beginning and the end. Why is one of my all-time favorite bands. They just came out with a new album called Mo-Lean, M-O-H-L-H-E-A-N. It's so good. Go listen to the song George Washington. It's gonna friggin' light you on fire. I loved it that song. I love it so much. Go check it out. It's on Spotify now. You're not going to regret it. It's kind of indie. It's got hip-hop influence, but it's it's pretty, um, you know, ambient indie. Really, really good stuff. Great lyrics. Um, beautiful, 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 beautiful stuff. Uh, <laughs> and uh, thanks to Nate Utesh and his band Metavari for all the other tunes. You make this podcast sound so tasty soundcloud.com slash metavari to check them out guys thanks for listening to another episode thank you for sticking with it thanks for spreading the pep all over the land Uh, i just got back from chicago yesterday i spoke at the columbia college uh, of columbia college chicago talked to a bunch of illustrators there uh, I had so much fun. They uh, super talented bunch. The program looks amazing from what I could see. I had deep dish Chicago pizza and it was glorious. I wanted to eat like 18 pieces. I only ate one. Don't worry. Uh, it was amazing. Had a great time. Met a lot of podcast fans and it just touched my heart. I could just cry thinking about it. Um, so thanks to all you guys who are listening out there. I hope I get to come to your town sometime and meet you one-on-one. All right, dudes, you gotta keep it pepped so every day you can give it your all. Do whatever it takes to stay pepped up.